0: Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknots Morning Five here on Friday, May thirty first, twenty nineteen. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker as we bid farewell to May. Uh, Jay Book, the Zach Smith podcast, is now you know two episodes deep. Um, he, he dropped one earlier this week on Tuesday. Um, it's called Menace to Society. I think a lot of people out there that you know have just don't want to hear anything more about Zach Smith. They don't want to listen to this podcast. They don't want to hear us talk about it. I tell you what, I've been you know, pleasantly surprised at how good the podcast is. And it's not just him taking shots at people, although there is some of that too, which makes it good. But it's not just that. He doesn't come across unhinged. He comes across pretty good. And there's some great stories. Um, Just before we get into the Ed Warner stuff, which is what I really want to talk to you about, just your general thoughts on this Zach Smith podcast, Menace to Society.
1: Yeah, I I really enjoyed the podcast. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, after the first episode and I really enjoyed the first episode I tuned into the second episode and uh, it's really been surprisingly successful and good for Zach and, and his uh, crew. I know that after the second episode it was number three on iTunes uh, podcast download for sports so that's a tremendous uh, success for him. Obviously, Zach can rub a lot of people the wrong way. He's not everyone's cup of tea. For me, I I have no problem with Zach. I think that the stories that he's telling in this podcast is uh, very entertaining and interesting. So I'm going to continue to tune into it. I know uh, a lot of people just want to see Zach and everything he has to say go away. But if you go in there and you're able to you know, put your feelings aside and just listen to it, He does provide some interesting content when it comes to Ohio State football and a a kind of peek behind the curtain that a lot of people don't necessarily see on a day-to-day basis.
0: And it comes across very honest. Here's one example. Like, of course, he's going to trash Tom Herman. He's going to call him out for all of the, you know, acts of adultery, allegedly, you know, from (laughs) Zach Smith's thrown out there. And he said there's been a lot of that. Um, But then he'll turn around and say Tom Herman is a brilliant play caller and we'll just talk him up as a quarterback's coach and a play caller it's not like he's just you would think he's going to say nothing but negative things about Tom Herman um and then there's Ed Warner um after they lost Tom Herman after winning the national championship and you know Zach tells a funny story on his podcast saying you know as they're preparing for Alabama Tom Herman's like is Urban really gonna like elevate Ed to offensive coordinator and Zach's like yeah that's what I'm hearing and he's like you can't He's so dummy. He can't even call a play. He can't even articulate a play call. So they're making fun of Ed behind his back and everything. Well, anyway, it, it, you know, no one was laughing in Buckeye Nation when Ed became, after we look back on it, when Ed uh, became uh, offensive coordinator. And Zach really lays it at Ed's feet the 2015 season. Now, there's a couple of things at play there. Uh, you know, Zach admits in 2015 he was a mess personally. He even says that if he was ever going to get fired, it should have been after the 2015 season. That's Zach admitting that, that he as the wide receivers coach was a mess. And it was Urban Meyer who promoted Ed. He didn't have to do that. But, man, does it make Ed Warner look bad. Again, he he accuses him of, of adultery. But let's put that aside for a second. Zach Smith is just – he's just killing people on and off the field. But the stuff on the field makes Ed look like such an incompetent coach. We know he's a good offensive line coach. But what do you make – just unpack some of that for me. What do you make all, all the uh, bark through Ed Warner's way, Jay Book?
1: Yeah, I would say I know Zach, you know, uh, pretty much characterized – Ed as a uh, inept coach, and I would say, as far as his strength, which is coaching the offensive line, he did a heck of a job those early years on his staff. I mean that that when they first got hired, he was flipping guys from the defensive line, and he was getting them playing at a high level. I mean, after Jim Bowman left, the offensive line was an absolute train wreck. Now, when it comes to his recruiting. Ed left a lot to be desired. He never was a good recruiter. And Zach really went into details about that, how just how awful he was as a recruiter and how ill-prepared he was and how he has a, a, a tough time relating to kids. And we saw that firsthand on Bucknuts. And, you know, our fans in the message board follow recruiting religiously. And Ed was always considered one of the weak links when it comes to recruiting. Uh, as a play caller, uh that has to go on Urban. I think that really cost Urban a national championship making that decision. And I thought it was fascinating that Zach uh, said that before they were pre- preparing for the Alabama game in the Sugar Bowl. Tom was laughing, saying, "Is Urban really going to replace me with Ed as a play caller?" Uh, and told, told Zach, "Good luck with that one," because pretty much it was it was well known within the ranks at Ohio state that this is something that Ed was not cut out to do. Now, the thing that you, that you have in this situation is, I think urban was trying to dip into that Kansas bucket when they made that run back at Kansas with, uh, Ed Warner and Tim Beck who were, you know, joined at the hip calling that offense And Kansas has never in their history of football, seen that type of success when it comes to them running the orange bowl. And I thought, uh, just me thinking off top. I think Urban thought that they can potentially keep a high octane offense at Ohio State, and pretty much what you had was a situation where the offense was a complete mess when it comes to play calling. And we said it numerous times that that 2015 team never played to their actual potential. Yes, they out athlete a lot of teams. You look at all the NFL talent, but they just should they should have been just absolutely putting teams in the body bag, and they never did. And just seeing how uh, all of the stories coming out from Cardell Jones and Zach Smith. A lot of people now confirming uh, what Zach is saying about how bad Ed was as a play caller.
0: Yeah, it, it does make Tim Beck look good. I'm like, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. It, it does exonerate <laughs> Tim Beck to use that word, um, you know, and he was a guy that was trashed maybe even more than Ed Warner was, you know, during those two years. What's interesting is, you know, in 2015, you know they didn't reach their potential offensively until the last two games. They they go up to Michigan. Michigan was. Favorite for most of the week, if I remember correctly, I think by kickoff Ohio State was like a one-point favorite. Or it was a pick'em game. I think technically Ohio State was favored, um, but it was like by one point. Ohio State went up there and blew the doors off Michigan, forty-two to thirteen, and then you know blew the doors off Notre Dame. Of course, Notre Dame was overrated as usual, um, but that was just you know that was fool's gold. I think that you know if you believe what Zach says, he was ready to put you know Urban was going to pull the plug on Ed Warner after the twenty fifteen season, and then Michigan and Notre Dame happened, and you look back, you're glad Ohio State won the those games maybe you wish that the offense didn't look so good you maybe wish they would have won like you know on the strength of the defense in those games maybe they they would have got rid of Warner earlier but um, I do want to move on this is going to be a very uh, I think a very joyous day in in Buckeye Nation Uh, it is D-Day for Julian Fleming the number one wide receiver in the country he will make his decision later today at least announce his decision later today and Jay Book uh, I know you know this I, I think Buckeye fans are going to be very happy later today my friend
1: Yeah, it should be a pretty good Friday for Ohio State fans. Anytime that you can uh, potentially get a five-star number one recruit at wide receiver in the backyard of Penn State, that's going to be a heck of a get there. Um, uh, Ryan Day is showing that he has the recruiting chops. A lot of people was worried about would there be a significant drop-off after Urban retired, but you also have to give uh, Brian Hartline a huge pat on the back because he cultivated this relationship. He really developed it early on. And I think in the end, that's what's going to win out for the the good guys is the relationship that Brian Hartline was able to build there with Julian Fleming. And he's a big guy, 6'2", 200 plus wide receiver. He should be a guy that's uh, going to be able to see the field early on. I'm not sure if he's an early enrollee. I haven't seen that yet. Hopefully they can get him in the fold. But if you look at the wide receiver talent that's on campus right now, and the guys that are coming in with uh, potentially Fleming and Gee Scott and uh, the kid out of Texas down there, you're looking at a tremendous uh, playmaking room, wide receiver room there. But it should be a great day for the good guys here on Friday.
0: No doubt, and it's also you know going to be a huge official visit weekend for Ohio State with Kendall Milton beginning his official visit here in Columbus. Later today, it's going to run through Sunday. I love that these kids can take official visits now. It's because of the early signing period. It's another good thing about the early signing period is they can take their official visits in the spring and not just take, you know, in the summer, not just take these unofficial visits, have to wait it out till uh, the season to take their official visits. So Kendall Milton, uh, five-star running back, you know, again, I, I know you know this, but again, I mean, expound on it. It sounds really good for Ohio State, not like a done deal or anything, but it sounds good for Ohio State for Kendall Milton, Jay Book.
1: Yeah, he's on campus this weekend, and, and once the Buckeyes lock up uh, Julian Fleming, it just kind of puts a, a more pep in your step. It's like being at a casino and just winning – you know, with a monster hand on blackjack. The rest of the night, you're feeling really good about yourself. You got a little swag and a little pep in your step. You're going to be having a, a, a whole campus full of recruits uh, visiting you right now and including Kendall Milton. So just having that whole vibe around the facility is going to be huge. And I know our own Bucknessville currently put a crystal ball in a lot of chatter that Milton's going to be a Buckeye, uh, potentially down the line if things were to end right now. So Ohio State, um, if they can parlay the momentum that they have right now on this recruiting visit, it could pay huge dividends. If you look at Ohio State um, right now, it's it's a very attractive destination when it comes to high end running backs, because you also have Robinson. Out, at, um, out of Arizona Tucson and then you have the number one recruit in the country out of Texas running back who put Ohio State in, in his top five but Kendall Milton I think he's going to be a guy that will make a decision before the end of June a lot of speculation out there is that he wants to get this process over with before his uh, fall camp starts and he wants to have a team already picked so if that's true you have to really like Ohio State's chances here the depth chart is favorable you're talking about a a legitimate national title contender who's going to provide a, a a a way for these young guys to see the field right away. Obviously, uh, you got some guys in Master Teague and Crawley, some guys there that are younger that's going to be in the mix. But for a five-star running back, you have to really like Ohio State depth chart. I'm sure
0: Ryan Day and, and Tony Alford uh, are, are going to be completely fine if Kendall Milton wants to make a decision in, let's say, early June. How about uh, tomorrow or Sunday, you know, June 1st or June 2nd? Just really get it out of the way early and, and commit to the Buckeyes. I'm sure they're going to be not pressuring him to do that, but they, they will uh, want him to do that this weekend. And I don't think he will make a commitment this weekend, but uh, you know, when when Bill Curlick puts his crystal ball in for somebody, that is big news, so – yeah, it, it sounds really good for Ohio State and Kendall Milton. All right, it's been all kumbaya talking about recruiting so far on the show today. But, man, they've got to get the ball rolling with defense. I know it's it's just May, but, you know, by tomorrow it's going to be just June. Um, I'm still confident this is going to be a great class. It's going to be a great class offensively. I think we know that by this point. I still think it's going to be at least a good class defensively. So, overall, this is going to be a great class. Um, but, man, it's not really early anymore. I mean, they've got to get this train rolling, Jay Book. They only have one defensive commitment. Legend Cavazos, who committed Urban Meyer, of course, then decommitted then recommitted to Ryan Day. Again, I think
1: they're going to be OK, but I, they got to get this train rolling a little bit in June. I right, I agree. You're starting to see them really pick up some uh, put out some offers there. I know a local kid got offered uh, from a State recently. But the thing is, is a State was so bad on the defensive side of the ball the last couple of years. A lot of kids. Uh, are hesitant right now. They're going to have to really prove it on the field. Obviously, when you have that much turnover on the defensive side, it's all about building the relationships. On offense, everyone knows that Ryan Day offense is going to be humming along like a fine-tuned Ferrari. So you're going to see a lot of high-end prospects on the offensive side of the ball still gravitating towards the Buckeyes. On the defense, with Greg Madison and Al Washington and all of those guys, they still have to build those relationship and be able to prove it. What you essentially have right now on defense is you're sell- you're selling a vision. You're selling what you believe the defense is going to look like in the future whereas on the offensive side of the ball there's tangible proof there to show to these kids like this is what we're going to do this is how we plan to operate and the proof is in the pudding and you look at the results last year it was was one of the uh, most electrifying offenses in the country and the guy who was in charge of that is now the head coach on the defensive side the defense was so bad um, that it's been completely revamped. You can tell these kids, this is what we want to do. This is how we plan on doing it. But until you actually go out there and do it, you're selling a vision and a hope to these high-end recruits. Very good
0: point there. Very, very good point there. I mean, they, yeah, I mean, you can see the, the Ryan Day offense. It shattered Ohio State records. Every record you can think of pretty much as far as total yards, total touchdowns. Total passing yards. I think maybe the only thing they didn't break was you know overall rushing yards, but they still had a, a lot of rushing yards too. It was just you know the most prolific offense in Ohio State history. And yeah, they had Dwayne Haskins at the controls. That didn't hurt, but still, um, even the previous year, Ohio State's offense was very prolific. Um, we tend to remember the bad moments, but even in twenty seventeen, overall. Um, you know, that offense was was very good. And and Ryan Day had even more control over the offense in 2018, of course. And we saw what happened. That's a very salient point, my friend. All right, last thing. Um, Jay, I find this so fascinating. Um, so we had a very, very, very good source tell us early in the week that Ohio State recently ran the 40. Not everybody on the team ran for various reasons. Some guys are a little banged up. Some guys couldn't for whatever reason. Um, but the majority of the team ran. And there were three guys that ran in the 4.3s. Four three forties for somewhere in the four threes. We didn't get the exact time somewhere in the four threes. The three guys: Chris Olave, no surprise there. We know he's a, we know he's a burner. Cam Brown, maybe some people are surprised about that, but you know Cam Brown was always a guy that was really fast. To, you know, coming out out of uh, recruiting circles, kid that's going to be a, a sophomore corner for those who don't know. Uh, and the third one, I just love this—a guy that I was already high on. This surprises the heck out of me in a pleasant way. Master Teague, I thought he looked great in the spring. Now, could he run the four threes at the NFL Combine? No, I don't think he would. But man, this is good news that he's one of the fastest guys on the team, and recently was clocked in the four three four threes in the forty J book.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm really surprised about that because he's not a small guy. If you look at Master T, he's absolutely yoked up. He's a big guy. Um, he's a pile mover. But I didn't really think that he had that top end speed like that. But obviously, he does. Uh, The strength and conditioning staff has done a great job helping him recover from that that broken ankle that he had coming out of high school. And I think that, you know, really hindered him just a little bit when it comes to how shift how shifty he was and his top end speed. But obviously, if he's running like that, if that boy gets a a full steam ahead, somebody better watch out because if he lowers that shoulder pad and coming at you, you know, 220 plus with that type of speed, he's going to ring somebody's bell. And if he gets in the open field this year, I think he can he can be very dangerous Um, with that type of speed at running back. um, I know we've had some really great running backs at Ohio State. But if you're talking about a legit four three speed running back at 220, I don't I can't remember a guy who who's that fast, that big. Uh, The main thing is, is can he make people miss? he has to be able to make people miss the line of scrimmage and show a little bit of shiftiness to where he can create holes on his own if they're not actually there. It's one thing to be a fast guy if you're just running up the offense alignments, but it's another guy who has the patience and the vision to wait for the plays and the holes to develop. And once you do see that hole, you hit it like a bat out of hell. If Master T can do that, he has the potential to be an absolute game changer when it comes to the running back position for the Buckeyes.
0: Yeah, I think I mean you think of guys that are big that, that could run in the four threes. I know Beanie Wells. I don't think he clocked in the four threes at the at the combine, but I know he ran well. I know that when he was at Ohio State, there was talk that Beanie Wells was timed in the four threes. And he was like at two forty doing that. Um and then you gotta think of Zeke. Would you put Zeke in that? Zeke was, it was still about two twenty his junior year, sophomore junior year at Ohio State. And I think he was a legit four three guy as well. Would you put Zeke in there?
1: Yeah, Zeke was in there. I mean Obviously, Zeke well wasn't a four-three guy at the NFL combine, but there's not a lot of actual people who are 4-3 guy. He was a low 4-4 guy, which to me with his size is that's freakish in nature. That's track speed. And obviously everyone is well and Zeke Ellis. Um, track career, been a, a hurdler and a sprinter, but yeah, it, it's a rare combination of size and speed and power. I mean, the thing that made Zeke special as well as Beanie is they had that vision. They were able to see the holes and the plays develop, and once they saw that crevice, they hit it. They hit it hard, uh, so that's something that I, I definitely want to see out of uh, Master Teague. Does he have that patience? Does he have that vision? Does he understand the playbook? Um, and the uh, intangible things that really made those guys special is they would knock your block off when it comes to pass blocking we really haven't seen uh what master t can do in that room obviously because he didn't see much playing time uh last year but if he can do all of those things then the sky's the limit for him
0: that's a great point i mean zeke still to this day is the best blocking running back i've ever seen and you know, he's, he might be the best running back in Ohio State history. And that's saying a lot when you get guys like two time Heisman Trophy winner Archie Griffin and on and on and on, Eddie George, on and on and on, Keith Byers. I think Zeke might be the best. Um, but uh, great discussion here. Lengthy show here. Thank you very much to Jonah Booker. Really appreciate it. Jay Book, And thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's try the Buckeye Swag, best damn band in the land. <laughs>